0: Welcome to Middlemorph Millennials, the podcast that I started to force my friends to read Animorphs and yell at them about the dangers of kindness. My name is Morgan. And my name is Kate.
1: And my name is Jason. And my palps are tingling.
0: Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Today we're talking about the Horgmageer Chronicles, which is the first of several Chronicles books. Well, actually, it's the second. Because technically... Um, you pulled this out of order. <laughs> yes. Andalite Chronicles um, is before this, but I think that this is a better place for hork Chronicles and then Andalite Chronicles we're going to read after 23. So everybody get hyped for that. Oh. And don't worry, we're not going to skip over Megamorphs 2. That's coming up too, so... That's the dinosaur well, one, right? Books. Yes, it is.
2: We
1: <laughs> we are serving all of the backstory, side story, down story, up and around, twisty story.
0: Yeah, Matrix this is a story. This, a great book. This, this yeah. was
1: a yeah, really good book. I have to say, my favorite in what our in the series so far, what we've read. I I love backstory. You got you got underworld three favorite. Yeah, <laughs> like
2: it's like you got romance. Um, yeah, it was it was. Really good and tragedy, hell of a lot of tragedy. And you know, it's coming very Romeo
0: and Juliet, yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, so this book, for those of you guys who don't know, is told from three points of view. We have Eldrea, the Andalite. We have okay, I pronounced it Dak Hami. So we've got like a Sean Bean situation where it's like ah in the first name and ah in the second name, like Dak Hami. See,
1: Dak, I say Dak Hami.
0: I say that too. Yeah, was, that's good. I too. was gonna yeah, go yeah, with I that, like coming. that. <laughs> Uh That sounds good too. I yeah. oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and then we have Esplan 9466 a Yurk. So we've got angelite Hork-Bajir Yurk, and it jumps around kind of like Megamorphs One does. So we split it up that way for our um, recap. I am Aldrea,
2: and uh, I yeah, forgot which of you is doing which? I am the <laughs> oh. big. Not my problem.
1: I'm the big bad slimy Yurk.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll be narrating all each characters and I'll be uh narrating for Doc Hummy. Yeah. I thought that this really
0: book really gets to a lot of the major themes of the series. So basically it's the story of the how the Horkbashir home planet got taken over. Yeah. And definitely really hit like, a
2: lot of the similar like a lot of ongoing themes. Uh a lot of arrogance and hubris (laughs) being uh, taken to school and uh, consequences of that from different alien races. And And it's kind of our first
0: tinglings of, hey, maybe the Yurks aren't all bad or at least they're understandable, you know? Right,
1: like you understand where they're coming from because I was all through this. I was also like, yeah, the Angelites are kind of dicks too. (laughs) After
2: all it was like they're all- And we're introduced to other characters that are kind of sentient species that have rule over or have created quote-unquote monsters and yeah a lot of yeah it was just a lot of those ongoing themes and i'm just realizing like Damn, honestly, after we learn about uh, there's in this series, like this book was really good, and it introduced us to a heck of a lot of alien species, which I have been so pestering you about. Um, his <laughs> <laughs> first, like, what, fifteen books, Morgan. Jabba that <laughs> is my true.
1: The jubba Jabba. Jabba.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is this is why Morgan probably uh, put this up uh, farther in the reading queue, as she's just tired of me questioning her. Uh, but. I will say, in conclusion to understanding more of these different species throughout this universe, and this is definitely telling a backstory, an origin story of how everything came to be and why the war with the Yorks is on Earth right now. Gotta say. All in all, the Che are looking extremely good for the most sentient species that have created something, like another species or another beings. Oh, the Pemelites, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, sorry, the Che are the androids of the... Wait a minute, what are they? The uh, Pemelites? Pemelites? Yeah. yeah, the Pemelites are looking the best sentient species so far that we're aware of in this galaxy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like there's a lot of themes of, like... Is kindness good? Because in this book, it has a lot of negative consequences. Also themes of, like, imperialism and subjugation and, like, a lot of r- race, you know, using actual race
2: issues. Race war, yeah. literally. <laughs> and yeah, using through these knowledge as a weapon and uh, sexism abound, as well as, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. racial issues. Yeah, yes. There's a lot. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, it's great. Oh, and I sent you guys a picture of the covers. Um, so we've got the outside cover and then the inside cover, which doesn't have like that, that window in it, like most of them do. Um, we've got a picture of Dak and Aldrea on the front cover and then just their like headshots. And then you open it up and it's them in the hork Valley, which I feel like <laughs> definitely, uh, is a little bit Lacking due to the 1990 whatever technology, but oh, it's
1: pretty cool. I always thought their blades, in my mind, I imagined their blades to be like bigger, just like over exaggerated. Like, yeah,
0: these are more like spikes to me. Uh, yeah. I was like,
1: like, I was expecting like two, three foot long blades that they're just like slicing, <laughs> it, slicing and dicing with.
0: Like pyramid head from. <laughs> yeah. Just,
1: uh-huh. uh, um,
0: Whatchamacallit? Yes, it's called... Silent it's Hill. It's a video game. Silent Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Silent Hill, thank you. Yeah, very, like, Silent Hill looking. But, yeah, they're more like dinosaurs. The hork Yeah. The hork yes. And so, and then we also have a picture of Aldrea, like, the full um, Andalite, and usually the... Female Andalites are depicted as more purple, whereas the males are more like blue and tan.
1: Oh, what? You know, her tail is actually, I didn't notice this before. Why does it look like it's got like two? Like
0: It's just a tuft of fur, the second one. Oh, okay. And you can see that her tail blade is smaller than um, like visitor threes or axes when we see actual pictures of them because she's a female. And she mentions that in her first chapter. <laughs> Jason, you want to start us off with the prologue? We've got like a frame narrative
2: going on here.
1: Oh, I would be delighted. Oh, okay. Before we
2: get into it, do we want to also just give a heads up that since this book is so long, we are going to be splitting this one into several episodes so we can dive deep into all the <laughs> wonderful glory and gory stuff <laughs> going into each yes. of these
0: we anticipate three episodes for each or three episodes for this book. over yeah, this so. book it's a big book
1: mm-hmm. um yeah. also before we begin i do it when we get to the the new alien species that's super smart in this book remind me i have a a discussion point i i just like I oh yes I, I think i wrote it down in the file but i'm not sure but i There was something I was like, is this a plot hole? And could they have just solved all of this um, without this? Okay, so let's jump into it. Yeah. We're opening up with our boy Toby. That's my cool name for Tobias because we're friends. Um, (laughs) So enter Tobias. He's feeling very restless. And um, there is apparently no Animorph missions planned. So he gets a day off, much like we all have when we're recording this episode. (laughs) And so if you guys know that, uh, um, okay, so Tobias, so he's like, I'll just go for a fly. And he goes uh, to the Hidden Valley Ranch um, where (laughs) the uh, Hork-Bajir, who we um, all know from our last book, were recently saved. Well, two of them were. Um,
2: Seriously though, okay, get, get into it because I want to. I want to talk about this.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, fine fine, 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 okay. I'm gonna do it. Okay, so basically, he comes to the Hidden Valley. Uh, he one thing he does notice, he knows right away there's baby hork-bashir. That's great. They seem a little big, so it seems like they might be growing quickly. Um, interesting. The caves are unused. He thought that was weird, but he sees apparently they're all up in the trees. So obviously we're learning a lot more about. We're gonna be learning a lot about hork-bashir. Tobias uh you know lands, there's uh, you know, um Jara and Ket. Uh, Tobias um, you know, stays for a little bit, they're on a they're on a bonfire, there's gonna be story time. That is But um, there's
2: more than one Hork there's more than these Hork-Bajir, like more than the ones that they rescued this last book.
1: Yeah, like because mm-hmm. of the babies.
2: No 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 no, no. Well no, babies. they've only have one kid. They only have oh. one kid. But there were a dozen or more Hork-Bajir there now, and they were all free, and they're starting to raise families. There's more than just them.
1: Oh, I just interpreted it as them getting busy. Busy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So like I said earlier, this one comes after 23. So it's not immediately after. There is some time that has passed. And in 23, we do learn that they have been um, raiding yurks like yeah, raiding like, like, your compounds and
2: freeing more hork- okay. they've been freeing more hark from the yurks okay this is what i wanted to know because i'm just like hold I- on a second <laughs> we just spent a whole freaking book trying to rescue just two of uh these hork and now there's like a whole little like a uh, community out in this hidden valley that this Salamist has sectioned away for them and Where did all these other ones come from?
0: (laughs) I'm going to assume that Dak, or sorry, Jara and um, Ket have had instructions given to them by the Elemist to save some of these, uh, save some of these Horkbazir, because otherwise I don't know if they could uh, carry
2: that out on their own. Did the animorphs? Is this explained in the animorphs storyline that they helped more Harkbajir get free too, or is it not explained? It's just
0: kind of mentioned, but it not mentioned. really. Yeah, there's like, not no really, uh,
1: portrayed. There's no death-defying mission where they almost get captured and dead uh, <laughs> for a little
2: time as they try to do this <laughs> for like another what six or twelve <laughs> yeah Yeah. Okay, sorry. That was my talking point, Jason. I just like what no, hold the No, fuck. no, go for it, because
1: that I that was completely opposite to obviously what I was thinking.
0: Uh, they <laughs> so. just had a lot of bebbas all at once. Well, they're like <laughs> reptiles,
1: baby. they litters. Yeah, maybe they had like a bunch of eggs or I don't know if they lay live Yeah, yard, I, or, like, I wonder I if like...
0: they lay, they have to lay eggs, right? Otherwise the, the blades. On the babies have to be like really soft when they come out. other soft <laughs> floppy
1: blades.
2: <laughs> yeah, otherwise that would be really bad for the birth giver. Oh <laughs> god! Or maybe the blades are just like you know alien style and it just bursts from mom's stomach. Like I'm here. <laughs> well,
1: what about <laughs> and then porky she heals
2: pie? really fast because <laughs> apparently parker yeah, can heal, heal really fast. Really fast.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was also. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. So I was gonna save this for the shark episode, but I did learn that male sharks bite female sharks when they're mating. So female sharks heal super fast. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's
2: it. (laughs) Oh my goodness! I know it's like
1: a mating ritual, but like, how? (laughs) I just feel. I almost makes me feel bad for sharks. Like, like oh, they want to interact with the environment and test things. Let's give it a bite. I'm gonna mate. Mm -hmm. Bite, and I'm like, guys. Stop biting! Stop <laughs> There's biting! <other> things. Things. <laughs> stop! Please stop that's, biting things. <laughs> that's
2: asking him to stop breathing at all. <laughs> Essentiality, Jason. I I
1: know. It's just it's just such. I think it's such an unfortunate thing for the sharks.
2: (laughs) I don't (laughs) think they think that. I think they're fine with waking their life through biting. Like, the more successful you bite, the more you live, so... (laughs) Yeah, but not when when humans
1: get involved. That's what I'm saying. I'm just like... Oh,
2: well, yeah, humans are the problem here in this whole equation. (laughs) That's just what I like that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, uh, that would have been funny if they're just like, yeah, we made this whole community, and it's just like, you know, had a dozen... I don't know, 20-some-odd hork babies babies already. But they're, no, they're adults and they're all there uh, hanging out in the valley. The Land Before Time Valley it totally feels like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh,
1: okay, so let's jump back into this. So we are, uh, Tobias is going to be staying for story time. And there's Yay. stuff about the Jubba Jubba, Father Deep. Obviously, we're all going to know what this means later. Um, but um, Jara is going to tell the story of the war with the Yerkes. And this is exciting. And so basically, um, it's really interesting because how Jara does this, he starts like, like, you know, when you grab your um you like put your, your knees up and grab them and he starts rocking back and forth. And then um you know it's sort of Tobias is like it feels like it's it's not like it's not told in like a traditional way. It's sort of like um uh, it, hard to follow at first in the mix of hork and English languages, but it, it starts to really sort of somehow like g- grab Tobias and he says like holds his brains and he could not only hear the words, but he could hear the original words and the others. And I think it's more like, I don't know, to me, I was sort of like, he's almost like having a vision. Like, mm-hmm. and you guys can mm-hmm. sort of correct me if I'm wrong, but no. um yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. seemed like it was more like a, not just like a verbal thing, but like a, uh, like an audio visual he was hallucinatory. Like he, was he really experience. immerses
0: himself, yeah, yeah, because he says, "I forgot where I was. I was far away,"
1: mm-hmm. and, and so
0: he he really gets into it.
1: Yeah, and this comes from Jara's grandfather, so his father's father. Which yeah,
0: they call them father father. father is your is your paternal grandfather?
1: <laughs> which is funny. Um, so we also then get the chapter and the prologue ends with the introduction of our three main characters: an Andalite female named Aldrea, a Yurk named Esplin, and a hork seer, Doc Hummy.
0: Indeed. And so chapter one is from Aldrea's point of view, and it says, Andalite year, 8561.2, Yurk date, generation 865 mid-cycle. No, sorry, 685 mid-cycle. Uh, Hork-Bajir date, early warm, and Earth date, 1966. I loved the
2: consecutive dates. It was so awesome.
1: I did too, and I really liked the hork date. <laughs> early warm, yeah, I was yeah like, early
2: Whoa. because they don't keep crap, keep
1: because <laughs> they
0: don't keep track of years. They just know the cycle. So it's early warm, so it's like spring for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So or- we start off with Aldrea introducing herself, and she says, "I am an Andalite, a female." That was all there was to say about me back then. But later, I became much more. My name became a cruel joke among my people, and later still, a curse. So we open up, and she's on the Yerkom world. Shit is going down no there's shit. andalites yelling and cursing and running around one of these andalites is alaron Cemeter Cross, who we know later is visor 3's host body but right now he is not um and he is giving a report to prince zero
2: wait a minute. Alaron cemetery cross was uh visor 3's host body Mm-hmm. yes wait a minute who is the i thought who's the general that uh was talking to axe back on the andalite homeworld that said yeah i was there with the hook and i let them decide to watch them fail It didn't help them at all i thought that guy was named aloran
0: no but we learn aleron's name in book eight in axe's first book when uh the yurk drains out visor three leaves his host body and he says my name is Alaron symmetry Karas, like give me give a message to my wife
2: Okay, well no no no. Alright. So then who's what's the name of the general that was supposed to be helping the Horkbagier but didn't?
0: Uh let me check. That's in I, thought, the same book. I thought this
2: was I thought this was the I general.
0: Think... Yeah, but he was just there because we do know that there were some more survivors. Let's see. see.
2: Because when Axe finally got to the planetary um telescope and was able to contact his homeworld in Axe's first narrated book and book. Gosh, uh he uh got a hold of the general this older andalite general that was the one that was on the hork bajir world and you know didn't end up helping the hork bajir defeat the yurks they kind of just like tried to see if the hork bajir could defeat the yurks on their own but didn't really interfere okay so we
0: have um a bunch of andalites show up because we do have like a um a flashback but I think it's Captain Nerephir is the one who tells him to pretend it was him that gave the humans the morphing power uh and then we What's have it? like
2: I thought a Nerefier, commander I thought Nerephir was the one who was on the dome ship that went down
0: alright let me click all these <laughs> hand light names that are blue uh Lirim Aeropath Lirem it was Lirim. Yeah.
2: sorry thank you I just yes uh, <laughs> I was assuming This was Lyrum the whole time.
0: You can go to the Seropedia and then go to the book and then scroll down and it'll be like characters who appear and then they're all blue. So you can just click on them. Yeah, uh, Nerefyr was like old Tailblade or whatever he called him. So
2: yeah, Nerefyr was the one who was uh, captaining the dome ship before it went down and Axe had to kind of like take the dome and crash. Yeah, for sure. Crash under Earth. So, anyway,
0: <laughs> Alaron is telling Prince Ciro, we know of Ciro's kindness from that same book, that something has happened. And Ciro is kind of in denial. He's like, They promised me, they gave me their word. And Alaron's like, I have visual logs. And so he brings up this hologram and plays it. And it's an army of Jeds, which or Geds, Gif-Gif situation, <laughs> I guess Geds, armed with knives and spears, and one of them has a shredder, which is like their handheld laser beam, their phasers, and they attack this Andalite patrol and steal their ship, and Prince Ciro still like can't believe it. He's like, I trusted them. They gave me their words. They wouldn't do anything, and Alarond's like, you fucking idiot. You
1: had duped. <laughs> Duh. You... They're parasites. parasites.
0: What did you expect? Yeah. Who live in
1: like swampy, boggy, like bullshit. It's like, dude.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And um, Aldrea says Prince Zero, whose name was to become a curse word and a joke, he was my father. So we learn that she's the daughter of Prince Zero. And Alaron says that approximately 400 Geds attacked our ground base last night. They overwhelmed the two dozen Andalite warriors on duty there. The two dozen Andalite warriors who had specifically been ordered not to fire on Geds, which like, I mean, as if imperialists wouldn't shoot on, (laughs) wouldn't fire on the uh, people they're imperializing. But I guess Andalites follow orders better than the human military, since they're a militaristic society. We also learned that the Yerks had seized four attack fighters, two transports. More importantly, though, that the two transports landed on the far side of the planet for an hour, beside two major Yerk pools, probably loading up on Yerks. And the computers estimate they may have gotten a quarter million Yerks on board. So they've got this, like, huge army of Yerks. They don't have any host bodies, though. And um, also, Ciro says but the yurk leaders they've been my friends they cannot know about this the council of 13 must not have known this must be some rebellion hmm. some group of malcontents which we learned that the council of 13 was very
2: much in the is, know
0: <laughs> yeah they know so the yurks invading earth aren't really rebels because they have the they have the support of the council of 13 and the council must have been on that those ships too cuz we hear about them later yeah. um aladrea's like okay we're probably going to leave this planet soon and i don't know where we're gonna be going she also notes the sulp Nair pool outside which is the pool that chapman's yerk is from also the yerk who infested tom and then jake later in book six um is from the sulp Nair pool it's like a common reference and she says i had come to the yerk planet with my mother and father it was all part of showing the yerks that we were sincere in our desire for peace and friendship." But I had never liked this planet. I had never liked the Yerks, and now they had destroyed my father's dreams. Ciro's kindness. My father's love of peace had released the evil of war on an unprepared galaxy.
1: My question is, like, why did they have to bother doing all that for, like, to show the Yorks they meant peace and kindness? Like, what are the Yorks gonna do? Like, like, <laughs> I'm just like, I just don't get it. Like, why go through all that, you know, for he the He was, Yerks? like,
0: doing a white man's burden, I think.
1: Oh, so, just, like, so... Well, later in the book, they were
2: just, like, they're worried about sentient species and curious about them and trying to, like, understand them and check them out so that they understand better, you know, where everybody's at in the galaxy and because of that hubris... Yeah, what Morgan said.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like a like a white man's burden thing, where it's like I'm lifting up this lesser race, but then they come, they turn around and like betray them. So, like that's not a great metaphor. <laughs> but we do see a lot of nuance here in this book, as far as that goes. Like clearly, the Yorks are jealous of everything that the Andalites have because they don't have that and so they want more. Um, I'm making a lot of references (laughs) to uh, to Disney songs today so (laughs) this is their part of your world song. Um, But yeah it it feels like almost the theme of this book is like kindness is bad.
2: I don't know if that's the theme I think that arrogance uh, is worse. (laughs) Yeah for sure, for sure.
1: I definitely think the Andalites full on like arrogant and i get how that's especially when you're being talked down to i like you see this a bunch of times how it's really uh frustrating and insulting like to other species or other other alien races and so i totally get that where you're like i get why everybody thinks the andalites are fucking annoying because they're like patronizing (laughs) like very patronizing that's one of their most
0: like yeah prominent like, traits like
1: stuck up stops. i'd be like oh my god like shut the fuck up like so i get i get that i get why the andalites are not super well liked but then also it's like i feel like you know when axe finally told the other animals like the whole deal about Sarah's kindness being like yeah this just happened to be a really bad example of some like of andalite inter interstellar like race relations <laughs> like
2: yeah for sure well, it's a little bit like Touching back on some of the themes in Jurassic Park, of like you know, it's not whether if you could, it's whether if you should actually do something. It's like you know, you could possibly bring dinosaurs back to life, but uh, should you have done that? Yeah, yeah. I
0: guess if the Andalites had just left the Yurks alone, and or if the not-
2: have as much as andalites pride themselves on being so knowledgeable and advanced race, they really have a lack of forethought again, I want to bring back the um the Pemeolites that made the Che because they got to a point of so knowledgeable that they even forgot how to be a warring race or even in conflict with any other species because they became so sentient and understanding with the ways of the universe that they wanted to just create peace. Perpetually, and that's why they kind of created the 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 androids, their che
1: But I feel like with that though, I I think they were they seemed like they were really isolated. Like they didn't they didn't engage with other species. They might have been aware of maybe other
2: species.
1: They because because the 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 Andalites like are in full contact with many other sentient space traveling races, and I feel like the chi were. Like, even if they might have known about others, they they kept themselves alone because they seem to have been very... They might have like,
2: gone beyond of like, hey, we know of others in our galaxy, but why need to bother with them, which is one step better than the Andalites, in my opinion.
1: <laughs> none, of, none of them can give scratches or throw the tennis ball right, so...
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I, and I feel like um, they they said that they came to Earth, the Pamelites came to Earth, you know, 50 million years ago, but they're they're they have a law of like non-interference, like a prime directive. And so they- One step better than the Andalites. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're able to live in peace. And now the Andalites kind of want to have this rule, but they also have to deal with the fact that they unleashed the Yurks on the universe Because they interf- the they, they, they
2: interfered.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're like, well, we don't want to interfere anymore, but also we need to interfere because we need to deal with this problem that we created, but also we're not going to respect the species this that we're trying to save. As
2: another one of the overlying things, because then you also got even more omnipotent creatures like the Elemis that is like the be-all and end-all kind of like influencers and watchers of space and time but yet still want to interfere and have an agenda as well so it's hard to take the ego out of these characters to an extent yeah
0: it's um it's there's a lot of layers here and i feel yeah like i'm think last week or the week before i mentioned that meme with the gun shooting pointing at the back of people's heads and there's the sniper at the back it's like we've got hork bashir in the front then yurks then andalites then the elemist is back there with the sniper <laughs> rifle like different layers of the way that species who or even the arn throw them in there too cuz we'll mm-hmm. meet them in a minute but i yeah, we definitely probably will the third episode about, of this
2: we'll talk about the arn later <laughs> in this uh in this book <laughs> yeah so it, it feels like there's a lot of different
0: a lot of hypocrite a hypoc
1: hypocrisy yeah Hypocrisms. (laughs)
0: Hypocrisms. (laughs) hypocrisums um hypocrisy in this book um between like the andalites especially the arn and Uh um and even dak so anyway um so we get chapter two is aldrea as well (laughs) sorry (laughs) we have a lot to talk about (laughs) yeah i know right we're 30 minutes in here um so chapter two, she starts off with saying, I'm the daughter of Prince Zero. My friends tease me sometimes. They call me Zero's unkindness. You see, I'm not like most females, <laughs> which made me laugh out loud. Um, but then later, well, I'll get to it later, but it... Yeah, she's like, I don't want to just be in the sciences and the arts, the traditional female occupations, which I like how they're like science. Um, I don't want to be a zero space theorist or a grass scape designer or a cloud artist. I want to be a warrior to
2: fight the yurks. I want to know more about cloud art. Okay. Know, right?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Do they design clouds? Is That'd that be cool. <laughs> Hashtag flat earth, and so she notes that females have smaller tail blades, so the traditional female gender role is not to be a warrior. But tail fighting is in everything, especially in modern warfare, where we've got shredders and spaceships and shit, and also the morphing technology, which. Many studies have shown that females are actually superior when it comes to morphing, but nobody believes that.
2: I was really surprised that morphing technology is used, it's like invented so recently within this timeline. So I thought like at this point when Sierra's mm-hmm. kindness happened and, you know, this encounter with the hork first is happening with the Yerks that the morphing technology is really well ingrained within the Andalite culture at this point because it felt like with Axing, like you know how widespread that was taught within his school and everything like that and how like everybody within the dome ship that he was on like had it and every, it just it felt like it was I thought that was something that was like much more traditional and a long passing thing as opposed to Aldrea actually... Is like one of the few that knows about
1: this right now. Yeah, not even her dad. <laughs> yeah, but like also just like the fact that it's 1968. Like, like I, I honestly thought like the war with the Earth started like a, at least a century ago. Like my mind, yeah. was like, oh, this is centuries old. But no, it's like this is like a few decades old.
0: Yeah, three three decades. And sorry,
2: And um, this is also chapter two is 1968. So two human years have passed. Between Ciro's kindness at the encounter at the York Homeworld and now this,
0: yeah, and so she's been on probably the Andale Homeworld for a little bit. Um, and I think going back to the prevalence of the morphing technology, I think that since they have such a militaristic society, I think Axe went to like what's akin to military school, or all kids go to military school. So they that's like part of their training. But it really depends on where. Like what, where you end up, and what your job is, whether or not you're going to use the morphing power. So anyway, yeah, um, it just seems weird that so invented so recently. Yeah, um, so I mean, think about phones, like smartphones, in their current iteration were invented what, like, fourteen years ago, and now they're pretty ingrained in our society. I think like a couple generations is probably. A lot, or at least like one Andalite generation, because I think they live a little bit longer than us. But anyway, okay, so (laughs) Andrea, her parents, and her brother Barafin have arrived at a new planet in the far reaches of the galaxy, basically where Ciro can't do any more damage. I guess they have a strong (laughs) union because they didn't just fire him. (laughs) Apparently, they work kids. Um, And so she describes this planet as looking more like a dead moon than a living planet. Much of the surface was dark gray, sterile rock. I knew from our briefing, there was only a very thin atmosphere. It's very cold and not enough atmosphere for an Andalite to survive for very long. But around the equator of the planet was a strange sight, huge deep rifts, interwoven, interconnected. It looked as if someone had stepped on the planet, squashing it like a ripe uka melon so that the sides had burst open. In fact, that's exactly what had happened. Millions of years earlier, a massive asteroid had hit the planet's northern pole. The impact shattered the crust, especially around the equator. It had opened massive valleys that cut deep, deep into the planet's surface. This is millions of years earlier. We later learned 20,000 years, but maybe she's just being a teenager and using hyperbole. (laughs) (laughs) Valleys with steep, rugged walls. The valleys were as much as 50 miles deep and hold into... and held onto a rich nitrogen-oxygen atmosphere. The walls of the valleys were green. The floors of the valleys were a poisonous, eerie blue. Our sensors did not penetra- penetrate that blue mist." So she's like looking out the window, describing the planet, and then her brother Berafin comes into the room and does a, what are you waiting for? Let's go. Like, <laughs> uh, Like in the beginning of a movie or something. They land in a valley with these massive trees. They make redwoods look like sticks. Um, the, th- the tallest trees are 2,000 feet tall. Aldrea's mom is a biologist and excitedly notes that they're the biggest trees anyone has ever discovered on any planet. I, <laughs> I like mean,
1: that is mom. pretty she's cool. She's like
0: the
2: most excited out of all of them to be there.
0: <laughs> yeah, because she's like, okay, biology, I can study these trees. Um, so they d- they descend into a valley to the point where the air is so thick it's difficult to see, and the valley floor is like sloped. Like really
2: steeply sloped from my imagining.
0: Yeah, because it's all, like, cutting down into this, like, valley of blue mist. So they're above the blue mist. They land in a clearing of grass. The crew starts to unload all their stuff and aldrea is like where's the intelligent species that's supposed to live on this planet and her father says they're not a city building or road building species they're quite primitive according to the data from the robot probes (laughs) which sounds like a robot probe sounds like something i made up but that's what it says (laughs) (laughs) their repairs can be very fearsome but they are harmless gentle herbivores not especially bright i'm afraid no culture to speak of no written language no music as far as we know they don't build much if anything They are technologically the equivalent of a primordial civilization. And they're like, okay. Berafin's like, why are we here then? Like an angsty teen. (laughs) And Ciro says, we're here to make contact with the population and make sure that the Yurks are not moving against these people. Um, And as they're wondering what to call the planet, Ciro notes that they seem to have a representative of the species visiting them right now. And we cut to chapter three.
2: We do. And that is Dak
1: I have a question. Aldrea is older than Berafin, right? I think yes. so. Okay. I just wanted to confirm that. I was just I
2: think he was just being an annoying little younger brother. Yeah. And wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> why why are we going out this way? All my friends are back home. <laughs> so Dakami, um so his text I wanna note in the first chapter or so begins his narrative like as a more staccato simple type mm-hmm. reticence. Like it it's very limited adjectives, very simple sentences, but his narrative as we go throughout this book changes as the book goes on and he becomes way more eloquent. And I want to argue that he becomes even more eloquent than aldrea at certain times
0: yeah i got very big like um uh flowers for algernon vibes <laughs> oh majorly
2: yes yeah that's, that's what's definitely going on very much pandora's box opens and he can never go back
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also this one starts out by him saying i am hork bajir but i am different not like others
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so just like aldrea started with I am not like other girls,
2: Uh, his also starts with, I'm not like other girls. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Takami is not like other girls. Uh, (laughs) uh, He knew he was born different. His mother knew he was different as well. And she took him to the elders, to the tree tribe. And they deduced that he was a seer. Someone who was born to show their race, the Hork-Bajir, a new way. And the elders described his origin as that many many seasons pass and then our father the deep and our mother the sky say send a seer to the people the people have need and so one is born who is different the elders said that the deep or the sky will tell dak what to do up until then he will have to wait so he waits and thinks of things that no hork bajir ever thinks about he wonders about the deep and what it holds he wonders how high the sky is he would take strips of bark and draw images of rocks trees and the Jabba Jabba monster that lives in the deep or he drew an image of his friend Jagel hulan his friend did not understand what dak was trying to convey with his drawing he didn't understand drawings hork bajir did not draw then one day, Dak was striking bark with his leg blades and looked up at the mother sky. He saw something different streaking across the sky. And curious and drawn to it, he followed the object to the landing, uh, to where it landed in his valley. Out of the sky object, four-legged creatures came out, creatures he had never seen before. They had no horns and no mouths. Dak Hemi introduced himself, stepping forward to the new arrivals. I am Dak Hemi, he said. They did not speak. They only stared. I am Dak Hemi. He said again i am prince zero the voice was inside his head it made no sound but dak heard it it was strange the words were not words of hork bajir but he understood them i am dak me he said again it is a juvenile one of the creatures said probably about equivalent to aldrea barfin's age aldrea barfin maybe you should speak with him not me said a new voice inside his head he's covered in blades
0: <laughs> you would think as an Andalite, you'd be like, oh, he just has more blades than me. We also have a
2: blade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Berafin's definitely protesting hard here. He's like, I don't want to be friends. <laughs> but one of the creatures stepped towards Dak. My name is Aldrea," she said. We're Andalites. We would like to be your friends. Suddenly, Dak knew that his waiting was over. This was the new thing he had been created for. This is what he had to understand so that he could show his people the way. This is why Father Deep and Mother Sky had made him a seer. Chapter four. We're continuing on Dak and narrative. (laughs) I know. Well, this, uh, yeah, we're we're definitely going deep into this book uh, more closely than than, uh, some of the others. After contact with these strangers, Dak went back to his mother and the elders. They confirmed that this is what he was born for, and to watch and speak with these new strangers, and to show them the way. Jack went back to the strangers, and there were only four of them left at this point. The rest seemed to have gone away in the flying egg-shaped object they came in. The remaining four had dug into the steep valley and had covered that area, that scooped-out area, with a cloth that hung in the air. Jack convinced his friend Jagil to come with him to talk to the strangers, and Jack Gill reluctantly went with him. He was afraid. Dak was eager to watch them, to listen and to learn. "'Hello,' one said uh, to him, making the sound that was only in his head. "'I'm Dacami,' he said. "'I'm Jago Hulan,' his friend said. "'Not enough for universal translators,' one of the strangers said to the other. "'We need more words before it can begin to translate.'" One of the strangers, the smaller one with the smaller tail, pointed at herself. "'I'm Aldrea. I am an Andalite. I spoke to you before. Do you remember?' Tell you one thing, the other smaller strangers said. You don't want to have to fight these, Horpojir. Those blades look very serious. This is Barra again. They're peaceful, nonviolent. I'm assuming that was probably her father, Prince Zero, that said that. I don't know what to say. It was confusing to Dak. So he said, welcome, Aldrea. Welcome, Andalite. And uh, one of the Andalites say, not exactly chatty, are they? And then the one called Aldrea came forward, and with her hand, she pointed uh, to the closest tree. Tree, she said. And Dak understood her. She wanted to learn more about this tree, so he described it, what bark to harvest and how it helps the tree grow. Got it, one of the other Andalites said. The translation is effective at 64%. Coming online now. We understand you now, Aldrea said. And Dak said, I understand you. Yes, that's because thoughts speak words with universal symbols as well as with specific words. A, uh, the older Andalite said to Dak. And he looked at Aldrea. He was confused. (laughs) (laughs) So I think this is um, Aldrea's mom. Prince Sarah's wife and she says to Prince Sarah, My love, I think perhaps it, this is the case where we should allow the young ones to communicate. aldrea seems better able to communicate with young Dakami than you or I. This young corpus not is non-official. I think this is an informal contact. <laughs> so I back, so back I just want to
0: note
2: <laughs> I am on Berafin's Zeropedia
0: page, and yes, he is a younger brother. Also their mother never gets a name, which is annoying. Also, Dak is listed as brother in law under family.
2: <laughs> 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 Spoilers. <laughs> so, Aldrea came over to Dak and Jagil with her brother Barafin following her. Dak asked her where her tribe tree was, and she said it was not here, it was on another planet. He did not understand what this meant. So, Aldrea asked if he sees the stars at night. And Dak said, Well, when Mother's sky is dark, she shows us her flowers. And Eldrea says, well, each of those flowers is a star, like your own sun, only very far away. Jagil did not grasp this concept, and Dak had a hard time understanding it at first that things could be so far away. But Aldrea persisted in explaining the concept of distant stars.
0: I like how Dak's like, yes, things that are far away look small. This is true. And Jagil's like, far is
2: far. I don't understand. This <laughs> like, hurts. Just as far is far, looking alarmed. Ah. So this concept of there being other planets and the flowers in the sky actually being stars and suns, it opened Dak's mind. Mother Sky's flowers were suns, and these strangers had come from one of those suns. The things that Dak thought were true were no longer true. He felt he wanted to know more. This feeling was not new, but now he felt like this delicate stranger could help him. He knew he could learn so many things. So many things. On that day, the old Dakimi died. On the day, the true that can be, came to be the seer. And we'll cut to f- chapter five. Yeah.
0: What's that song from... <laughs> <laughs> From Tarzan. Disney Oh, Disney I, I, I want to know. Ma- yeah, can you major. Me? Know me. Wanna <laughs> I want to know. About these strangers stranger like me. me.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> major Tarzan Jane vibes throughout this whole book, man. <laughs> yes,
1: 100%. Spoiler for the ending. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Except, Except the, what's the villain's name in that? He doesn't die. He just gets defeated. Yeah. That, that was a... That's a rough uh, villain death. Like He gets hanged by a vine. Uh, oh, in oh. the Disney movie?
1: Oh, and you see the shadow uh, silhouette on the trunk through the lightning blasts, which is really a nice... Uh, Clayton. I was yeah. going to say Conrad. Clayton. Clayton.
2: Clayton.
0: Clayton. Uh, someone was talking on Twitter earlier this week about like... When are we going to get a hyper realistic Animorphs TV show and I'm like it Ooh, has that's to be HBO, HBO level. <laughs> yeah. Please <laughs> HBO. Please. <laughs> I mean HBO uh, Max
1: didn't HBO Max take over Adventure Time too. So they're interested in like diff- yeah. sort of different things. So
2: yeah, with the level of gore and stuff that's illustrated, there, there's definitely it's, it's, it's beyond just the children's. Well, question series. S-
1: so if HBO did it, obviously it's going to be like rated whatever. It'd um, be a lot of adult alien boobs. Well, my question <laughs> is, my question is, would you, would you want the the animorphs, the main cast, would you want them to be middle school, high school, or adult?
0: I, freshman in high school probably of course that's i am biased but i think i think the <laughs> i think the urge is to age them up to like 16 and i think i feel the, like you have
1: to if you're gonna i be- mean with the, younger the
2: amount is of more leniency realistic. even in the books as they're supposed to be preteens right now but their parents just don't mind if they're just wandering around and out for you know a whole day and they just don't follow up with where their kids are at like yeah well, that's because it's a period piece it's the 90s having to be a little bit older and uh no no helicopter parents not for any single one of them let alone one of the kids are actually they they turn into a hawk and are never asked about again by adults (laughs) ever about what happened to that kid right I, I think
0: the best way to do it would be animated a la like the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. The way that
2: that's done is kind of stylistic and cool. A lot of the monsters would be really cool in that kind of animation.
0: I think in my ideal world where money's not an issue, live action, I think the um like morphing segments could be done, Um, but I don't think we, I don't think the way it, realistically could happen could be produced they would want to do that live action
2: what if it was an anime
0: oh yeah that would be dope i
2: think sailor senshi
1: transformation
2: (laughs) i think it'd be really cool if it was more anime style make it happen (laughs) (laughs) all right jason Um, we are on you we're on chapter five and we are splitting the narrative to esplin
1: enter the yerk so Esplan 9466 so basically um, this is also we're getting to a little about um, your reproduction so uh, he, he says uh, Esplan was born from the decaying bodies of my tri- tripartite <laughs> parents um, so I think that means there was three parents involved along with several hundred brothers and sisters aboard the ship so he was born on the ship. And one twin, naturally, as you know, from the double number designation. So the six six means the double number. dan means he's a twin.
2: Oh, wait a minute. Does this twin ever come into play, Morgan? Yes. Oh,
0: is it visitor one? Also, <laughs> I don't
1: know. Uh-huh.
0: that would be Buck Wild.
1: <laughs> Morgan, is it visitor one? No. <laughs> oh.
0: Also, I do want to point out that this chapter starts with I come from no regular Yerk pool. He's also not like other girls.
1: Oh my God, they're all not like other <laughs> girls.
2: I, I laughed out loud when I saw this. Was Esplin oh. that particular Yerk pool? So there's that one Yerk that was helping Axe try to thwart and give a lot of issue to Vizor 3 back in Axe's book. But he came from the same Yerk pool, didn't he? Esplin. Yes,
0: yeah. They, a lot of Yerks came from the Sulpnire Pool, um, which presumably, like, that means that they are the Yerks who, like, either they renamed one of the Yerks pools on the ship the Sulpnire Pool, or a lot of these Yurks who, like, were the original 400, um, came from the Sulpnire Pool, and then they flew to the other side of the planet and picked up from... Yurks from the other side from a different pool. I don't know if that makes sense. But this Eslin... It's Eslin, not Esplin. Was that other Yurk. um, 359. Oh, it
2: was Eslin instead of Esplin. So close. Oh, yeah, I was so close.
0: So visitor 3 sacrificed a Yurk from the original Yurk pool on the Yurk home planet. Which means that he's got a lot of power.
2: If they... How long do hork live? Because this kind of goes back, I think, to the last book when we're asking, okay, so how did the Hork-Bajir keep, do like the Yurks breed as hork so they can still like infest hork young within the Yurk empire or is somehow being possessed by a Yurk allow that? controller to like perpetually keep that body going for as long as they want until the irk itself is killed
0: yeah i think i mean they age still so i think um i'm looking at physiology there we go it says they live not as long as humans so i assume maybe like 40 to 60 years because it's been 30 years and we know that ket Hellpack and jarahami Jar and me lived is... on the hork home planet.
2: Oh, did did they? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, It okay. said when they
2: were kids. So, so they were they... part of like the resistance then that still lived there yeah. before they were taken. Yeah, when they, they were captured? captured after their grandparents died, at least. Boo.
1: Okay, I know. I thought that was really sad. So. What was I going to say? So My anyway, brain. the
0: Yurk <laughs> reproduction. Well, our brains just broke
2: with Yurk reproduction, Jason. Let's just yes. go with that. <laughs> reproduction.
1: Okay, so uh, we also learned that there, obviously there are a lot of Yurks on this pool's uh, on this in this in pool, on this spacecraft, especially if they're reproducing. And we learned there's not enough host bodies and most of them are GEDs. So uh, Esplan, you know, spends most of his time in his crude alloy um, yerk pool um one day uh he is uh gets his first turn at training and basically training to be a controller to infest another uh, uh another species mind they're given 15 minutes to enter the host body and take it and then release the host and leave so basically they lined up in the yerk pool six at a time espen was fourth in line he waited um and he was a little nervous and you hear stories about uh, what it's like. So the hallucinatory sensory input, about the strain sensation of having another mind under your control, about the extension of your own body through unf- unfamiliar limbs. Oh, I just thought that was funny. I never think of like a slug as like a body. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, but here we go. So the gad's head is thrust underneath the surface of the pool. Um. So Yerks apparently have sonar. His sonar found the head quite easily. They also have really good senses of smell. So basically gets to the ear and he has two palps or he's got, palps i'm not sure if there's more than two but he's got palps so a small entryway uh to the ear squeeze himself down and work his way slowly inside the uh, ear canal from then on uh, it was all by feel.
2: G-B-G-B alert. <laughs> right
1: and the smells weren't familiar but then what seemed to uh to espion like forever uh uh, their palps encountered a surface alive with electricity. So they got to the brain, um, basically described the brain, the palps source, you know, they were looking for the trenches, the gaps, the openings around the brain. So basically just pushing his body down inside each wrinkle of the brain. Um, just as they, uh, he was taught to, um, and then basically um, loved it. Just completely loved the sensation, the power, the joy, the feeling of growing huge, fast and powerful, which it was sort of like, reminded me of when the animals transform for the first time in certain creatures just like the feeling some of them get you know Mm -hmm. and then you know opens eyes looking down at the yurk pool like esplin basically falls in love with with sight just as you know as a slug doesn't have sight just loves seeing objects just like the amount of sensory um like information and feeling that that goes into it he just loves it and then looks at his own pool and feels how it's so dark and insignificant and small and you know really sees i think starts to really grasp like what in his natural york form lacks and i think it it totally this is the first moment where it really just spurs his entire need for um i think like more
0: yeah it's his motivation
1: mm-hmm. i mean and so you sort of understand where you're like yeah, you being a sightless slug in a pool sort of seems. um
2: Another crossover of the theme of flowers for Algernon. <laughs> yeah, but in a yeah, for sure, deeper, darker way.
1: <laughs> and so esplan is like, also comes to conclusion. Yeah, there is a quarter million of us on here. We don't have um enough post bodies to, to for ever to be in one and. So that means he's—he has to only the best of the best can have it. So that's where Esplan also is determined to be like, I'm going to be useful. I'm going to be the best, so that I am given a host, so that I can feel this all the time.
2: I'm going to be the The very best. best. No one ever was. I'll make a controller out of you. (laughs) (laughs) Got to possess. This is our musical episode. (laughs)
1: So, also, uh, when Esplin goes back to his pool and he talks to his friends and siblings, basically says that many of them found the whole experience terrifying, sickening, awful. So, apparently not all Yurks like the feeling, or at least maybe not like it yet, but uh, not everybody's a fan of it, which is, a just Yeah, think 15 it's minutes is
0: not a lot to get uh, used to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, Esplin then decides that... Uh, they're going to learn as much as they possibly can about the Andalites. They are, they're the enemies now, and it makes himself useful. He's going to learn the enemy, know the enemy. And um, they actually uh, can now access computers in his Zyurk form. And I think it's just so cute, like a little slug with some palps on it with some <laughs> electrical thingy, whatever. But accesses the computer and learns, just starts learning everything, everything, everything they can about the Andalites, becoming an Andalite expert. And that's where it ends. We get some we get an, a Yurk character and their main motivation and feelings. So yeah, Esplan. He's yeah. he's a rising star. One to keep an eye on.
0: Or is planning to be a rising star. <laughs> All right. So we cut back to Aldrea, who's running across a field, eating with her father, who is still kind of convincing himself this is a scientific mission to learn about the Ork-Bajir, Uh when it's actually to make sure that the Yurks aren't coming here. And Eldrea believes that that's because he doesn't want to believe that the Yurks are evil um, or, you know, terrorizing the universe. During this part, we learn that the Yurks have attacked a moon colonized by the Skritna and taken additional ships and weapons. They cannot infest the Skritna. Seized a Hodgebron colony ship, but because their brains are decentralized, they cannot infest them either and... Leave the giant ship of 8,000 Hongebron to die. Successfully infected a group of Ongachik. That one's the hardest one for me. Ongachik mis- minstrels. But because that species oh, is it nomadic. Ongachik? Like Ongachik. Ongachik, minstrels, um, but because they're all nomads, it's difficult for the Yurks to fully infest them because they're, they're spread the out throughout the galaxy.
2: Of this galaxy,
0: yes. Except it was really easy for the Fire Nation to wipe
2: out all the air vendors. <laughs> anyway, so- well, were they were they
1: really nomads if they had four? <laughs> you know places that they stayed
2: <laughs> yeah so i thought they actually did possess some of the skritna that they captured did it okay let me check because
1: i thought they did too
2: they, they just that particular colony of the skritna they were able to capture all of them and take those weapons and ships which was helpful but they didn't capture like a whole race of skritna it was just some of uh, a colony of them because the skritna they... ships
1: are fast right
2: they have the Angachik and the Skritna as some of as in the Geds so far, as some of their new hosts. So, all it says is news that the Yurks had
0: attacked a moon colonized by Skritna and taken additional ships and weapons. So, basically, they just raided this um, colony but I think of Skritna. Later,
2: I think later when Esplan's talking, they do say that they have been able to get some Skritna and Angachik but they weren't able to possess the Harbourgen. I think it was
0: maybe their fighters or something, but um, we learn later. So I believe these three species are mentioned again, but the mm-hmm. most are the most mentioned. Oh, okay. And we know that they can't um, infest them because of something about their biology that we learn Oh, I later, thought it was so. the
2: Harborgen they couldn't infest, and that's why they just let them all die in space and just took their yeah. Um, yeah. ships.
0: That too, but... Um, yeah, the skritna. There's another reason they're they're kind of bugs. So I don't know. So if that's... are toxins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, they they can't infest them. Um, we learned a little bit more about that in Viser, and I think maybe Andalee Chronicles, but I can't remember. Anyway, so Ciro is like Aldrea. You haven't been doing your observation diaries lately, and she's like, I and she's like, I feel like a spy when I do it. I don't like it, and. Her dad's like, well, you know, they're not your friends. We're here to observe them. And she's like, I don't think that Dak is like the other Hork-Bashir. He can do math and read and write. But Ciro's like, uh-huh, sure, honey. You just think your friend is special like we think our dogs are special. <laughs> so they he doesn't are. believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that in a derogatory way well, that he's thinking of them. It,
1: isn't it like she taught him up to calculus and they're like, whatever. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, if you taught <laughs> yeah, a like, species <laughs> like that calculus?
2: <laughs> and her children. dad's like, call me when it's trigonometry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrea. Uh, Andrea. Okay, so I used voice to text and it was like Andrea instead of Aldrea. But Aldrea's brother, Barifin, has basically isolated himself to play video games all day hashtag relatable um her father's just withdrawn and quiet but and her mother's busy categorizing trees and other animal species on the planet she's like the most happy out of all of them
2: yeah again mom should have a name
1: <laughs> Right. Hey, just like the anamorphs the parents are pretty much not involved
2: <laughs> oh my gosh yeah right yeah uh aldrea's mom and jake's mom need to like you know <laughs> go because uh uh pair up and go save the world together i think they'll do great
0: (laughs) hell yeah uh one day when dak and aldrea are out and about they see this small feathered creature called a chadu it was no more than two feet long and covered in deep blue feathers it had four short legs and two elongated arms ending in claws kind of like an andalite um it moved by racing along branches and then leaped through the air much as Dak did, but the Chadu had skin flaps that caught the air like a, an airfoil so that it could glide, so it's kind of like a bird flying it's like a sugar squirrel. baby. Yeah, sugar glider. Aldrea asks Dak to bring her the chadu, which he does easily by tempting it with some tree sap. Aldrea asks Dak if he knows what a secret is. He says she has not taught him that yet, so she says, don't tell anybody what I'm about to do. And so she puts her hand on the chadu and acquires it. Um, I think it's
2: so crazy that her parents don't have morphing tech.
0: Yeah, she says um, in the next chapter, Aldrea tells Dak she's going to morph the chadu and not be afraid. The morphing technology is so new that there are even Andalites who doubt its safety or usefulness. Fortunately, I had a friend back on the homeworld whose mother was one of the designers of the escaffold device. Again, women are scientists. She had shown it to me. I'd used it. So we learned it's called the Escaffal device um, and not just Blue Box. And uh, she has the morphing power, but her parents and brother do not. Aldrea morphs the Chadu, mentioning beforehand it's only the second time that she's morphed. The instincts are gentle though, and easy to control, which I feel like is some foreshadowing for later because pretty much all of the species on this planet are gentle and easy to control. We'll come back to that later. She also says she doesn't like having a mouth because it feels like a wound on her face. Um, she tells Zach that her mind is still the same even though that she is turned into the Chadu. Both of them race through the trees and have an "I can show you the world" moment. <laughs> <laughs> my other reference um dak leads her to the tribe tree which the elders where the elders of his people meet the tree has dozens of platforms arranged around it where hork bajir are just hanging out and aldrea says remember don't tell your fellow hork bajir who and what i am and dak says simply they would not understand if i told them um because like we we saw that J- um, Jaggle didn't understand when Dak drew a picture of him. He's like, that's not me.
2: I'm okay. me. I'm not a picture. So clearly he they would not understand morphing. They don't uh, uh, untangible concepts. They don't seem to grasp very easily. Yeah, abstract concepts.
1: Oh, my God. That was the word I could not be thinking, like, could not think of this whole time reading this. I was like, what is it? It's like abstract thought. I, 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 couldn't, <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I was like, you don't really, like, you know, you learn, you like develop this when you're like 12 or it's something. theoretical.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And also this setting reminds me of the place where the bunny people in Final Fantasy Twelve live, where it's just like really high up in the trees and there's platforms that you walk around. It's like, I just imagine that. The Viera bunny people, anyway. Oh, nobody's played final fantasy 12 because it's not the best one but i like it a lot okay so it was me. more
2: of a basic concept of okay we got Ewok <laughs> slash you know elves from yeah. Lord of the rings type thing going on here got it <laughs> so they climb up the tree to the very top
0: platform where aldrea needs to demorph from that spot they can see the gigantic valley below them including the deep aldrea asks dak what is in the deep and he replies simply terror they say that terror is in the deep foreshadowing end of chapter go
1: <laughs> so chapter eight q esplan he ba- basically didn't take long for esplan to become the reigning expert on andalites but nobody cared woo welcome to <laughs> <laughs> my phd in andalite studies <laughs> <Nobody cares. laughs> so I uh, still very obsessed with the moment the few moments of seeing through the ged's eyes um he and he just became obsessed with like if i was an andalite if i could see with four eyes because four is better than two um <laughs> and you know being like what well, was like to run and live most of your life under the sun under the stars you know so very just really, it's like it's almost like it's weird because espon's like the uh, the andalites are our enemies but he's like romanticizing them and their yeah, life yeah,
0: which he does a little bit later in a kind of disturbing way yeah no shit
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's, it's, yeah, it's very, it's very interesting, yeah, <laughs> um, weirdo, but, but then it happened, um, so palp to palp, I love the word palp, it's <laughs> just like a little cute little, like, It's round still, things. still, I listen to the
2: same reaction from me, Jason, ew. <laughs> <laughs> well, in yeah. my,
1: in my mind, it's like a little round, little, like, no, like, no, thing. not cute, not cute at all, no, no. <laughs> uh, Okay, <laughs> palp to palp, um, message. So, uh basically to report to the infestation pier, Um there's a new species to try. So again, after the failures with the Hodgebrons and only f- um, the few Ongan
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ongax. Yeah, see? Uh are wandering and assembled just spacecraft to found a new planet with new creatures. I wonder what they are. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. there uh three had been seized from the surface and brought aboard. One was for Esplin. So, um same thing host head, pool although this time the ear was large their canal was larger unobstructed obstructed. it was easier so yurks released toxins to numb and dilate the ear learning some more um uh, so yeah. then with that uh, makes his way to the brain the brain was divided into two into lobes two fairly smooth one deeply wrinkled uh sink um s1 sank itself into the wrinkles of the cracks between the lobes and then tied into the brain Noticing for Hork-Bajir, hearing is excellent since the smell was almost as good as their own. Opened the eyes. Again, basically, Espen cried silently because the vision for the Hork-Bajir was so vivid, aligned so clear, depth with amazing precision. But, unlike the Ged, feeling some resistance within the mind, a mind within the brain. So basically it's Esplan's first encounter with a, a truly sentient creature. Um, stronger than the tired, beaten dead. This creature was attempting to fight um, uh, Esplin. And there was only one possible response, total and complete control. And this is where I was like, okay, this guy's like baddie, Like he, and then he's like, scream all you like. I sneered, you belong to me now. I was like, okay, he likes it. He likes crushing the mind. Yeah. He's cruel. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it's like, but it's interesting because like this, it, for what we know of this character's life so far, it's like. Are you just so bored and of your York life that this is just something fun for you to do because it's different? Like, like what made what raised you to be so cruel, or is it just like inherent?
2: I think you pegged it. I think yeah, he's just done with his existence uh, as York and ready to grasp more power.
0: Not only that, but they've been taught by the Andalites, and the Andalites are also like we said, like derisive of quote unquote lesser species so that probably has rubbed off on them at least a little bit so he's like oh this creature is not worthy of my kindness because it's not as smart as me and Mm -hmm. also that they are being socialized to hate the other
2: so that they can like infest them without guilt i guess you know Mm -hmm. have not run into a girk that's guilty of of infesting yet
0: (laughs) yeah you dehumanize the creature the the people that you're subjugating because otherwise it's difficult too difficult to um subjugate them Mm
1: -hmm. and so esplan is in a state of ecstasy he could crush the mind with ease and it was sad almost how easily i defeated the creature it's feeble compared to me has no power to throw me off no power to retain control so bam yeah. um he uh opens the creature's memory basically sees like "Ooh, i'm stripping bark for food i'm leaping through tall trees sitting at night telling stories <laughs> passed down from generation to generation so get a little insight again into the hork lifestyle we know they're vegetarians mm-hmm. but also so i think this is the first time we're introduced into this language so um one York controller in the dead body says, well. Espin nine four double six. Er, what do you er think? <laughs>
0: um, I right. So this reminds me of the SpongeBob episode where he goes to the rock bottom. And it's like I can't understand your accent.
1: <laughs> I'm just gonna do that instead of the R now. <laughs> let, me, let me try that no. Well, Espin nine four double six. What do you <laughs> think? <laughs> It, so, basically, what that is, is it's sort of the universal, like, language, Esperanto. apparently. Esperanto. Yeah. Oh, no, it's Gallard. Yeah,
0: I know. Esperanto was a, a language that they attempted to create to make a universal language, and it didn't catch on.
1: Are you talking about, like, in our world? In, <laughs> in our real life. life yeah, yes, in real life. <laughs> in real life.
0: <laughs> this is common, another yes. D&D reference.
1: So, Gallard is basically the universal common language. And the the gads just can't really speak it super well. Again, they're, they're still pretty simple creatures. Um, and the person that said this was Actor um, One One Five Four. Actor Actor uh, led the uprising against the Andalites. So basically, Actor is like the 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 Yurk leader responsible, obviously, for this like starting this whole In ship storm. Yeah, the <laughs> Um Yeah. Basically, Actor was the first who had understood the concept of using a host body to act as a predator instead of just a parasite. It was Actor who had personally killed for the Andalite scum.
0: Also in this part, he says like he's looking at his blades, blades that were used for stripping edible bark from trees. It was also new, so new to all of us. We didn't know anything about the galaxy then. And I feel like this is a little bit of insight into why the Yerks aren't really good strategists, which we see some more later. They're like, children almost they they don't have spatial awareness because they're used to just living in a pool with no sight and they've only been like active species from for 30 years like 1966 to 1996 they don't really have a vast history to pull from not that we do that not that we learn from our
1: mistakes but (laughs) clearly not so um, again just (laughs) I ask (laughs) what do you think you study (laughs) the (laughs) Andalites can this body be Used to fight the Andalites. I, so, I just needed to say that. That was a full mouthful. <laughs> so, a <laughs> splint is like, yes, these will do great. These will be our shock troops. We can fight the Andalites because we're covered in blades and nimble and big. Basically, Espen's like, I was there. Um, do you understand what this moment was, what it meant? I was there when Actor announced the birth of the Yurk Empire. They, and then the, end, the chapter ends with, what is this creature called? Or what do they call themselves? And uh, Espen's like, they call themselves hork Actor. Actor." hork Reveal.
0: This is for children. They might have needed that <laughs> spelled out for them.
2: <laughs> All right. We are on chapter nine, Dakhami's chapter. It has been seven weeks since Aldrea has become a Chadu for the first time. She had morphed again, but tonight uh, when she was with Dak, she was an Andalite. Dak liked it better when she was an Andalite. He did not care about a Chadu. He cared about Aldrea, the Andalite. She taught him much, and she showed him the universe uh, unknown to all Hork-Bajir, but he still wanted to learn more. And Aldrea had started to say he knows everything she knows now, but Dak was not so sure that was true. But... The pandora's box has box has been open at this point and he needed her nonetheless she was the only one he could really talk to now nobody else could follow at this point where dak was uh, other than she and there was noise uh, in the night tonight and dak explained to aldrea that it was the speaking trees and she said you your trees they have the gift of communication like andalite trees and no dak said smiling Aldrea had said that Andalite trees could speak in a way. Guide trees, she said. Girabaz, she described him as. But Dak was not so sure uh, he believed it. His trees did not speak. He said, we call it the language of the trees, but it's only when we Hork-Bajir use our primitive communicators. At night, the great sound speaks from across the valley. It's how we speak with our brothers and sisters of other two tribes in the valley. The sound is made by stretched vines on the trees renaissance aldrea said it's almost a type of music yes sad music tonight dak said it is the southern tribe they tell us that three of their people have been taken to father deep dak listened some more in the music communicated, communicated a strange tale they said that father deep had created new monsters they are small and that's strange the monsters of the deep are always larger than us yet these were small two legs long arms yellow eyes Suddenly, Dak felt Andrea's hand grabbed his arm above the wrist blade. It was not the first time she had touched him. Usually, he enjoyed the fact that she would grab uh, him for balance, like, to playfully slap him when she pretended to be upset or take his hand as they watched the sun turn red. But this was different. Just had to throw that in there because, dude, romance. (laughs) (laughs) They
0: like, like each other. They like, like, like each other. (laughs) Hey, go ahead and give uh, Rachel and Tobias
2: a call and see if you can start a support group. (laughs) so aldrea said can you ask them a question her thought speak voice was very intense aldrea asked if the monsters moved in a clumsy unbalanced way as they walked dat complied and he relayed the question to the speaking tree he asked her what she feared Aldrea tried to avoid the question by complimenting how quickly he was learning and becoming very perceptive at things like this. Patek pointed out she was avoiding the question. Just then the speaking He's very you, insightful. So insightful. He is, yeah, like steps better than Aldrea in a lot of sense.
0: It's interesting that he has, it seems like this ability comes from I mean, both like learning and, you know, recognizing patterns, but also from empathy
2: that maybe Andalites don't have. He has major empathy and he's very intuitive as opposed to, yeah, exactly, because he relates far more to different creatures than Andalites ever deem themselves to do. They, the speaking tree just then confirmed from the neighboring tribe, they confirmed that the monsters did move as if their legs were different sizes. The smile disappeared from Andrea's eyes. They are, she said, their legs are different lengths. We could never figure out why they evolved that way. Who are they? Dak asked. They're called Geds, Aldrea said. Are they from another planet like Andalites? Yes, but the Geds aren't the problem. The problem is what those Geds represent, she said. She turned her eyes all on Dak. Dak, you are the seer. You were born, you say, because your people would need you? Yes, I was born a seer because you Andalites were coming. We had need of one who could learn from you. I thought that was true, too. Aldrea said softly, but we are both wrong. You were not born because of the coming of Andalites. You were born because the Yerks are here. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. And we switch to Chapter 10. Aldrea. Aldrea.
0: Um, She starts to tell Dak about the Yerks, that they're parasites that infest other um, species, but she stops herself because she realizes that this time of night, Ciro sends his report back to the homeworld, And if the Yerks are in orbit, they'll be able to intercept that message and know that there's an Andalite encampment on the homeworld on the surface. Aldrea takes off running, but because of the weird slope of the valley, she's not able to run very fast. She has to like cut up and then down, kind of like a zigzag pattern. The home scoop is two miles away, But by the time she sees the camp, she knows that the message has probably gone out 15 minutes earlier. She imagines the scene taking place in the home scoop as she's running. Her mother working at the computer, her brother playing a game, her father lost in thought. And she says, that is the picture I want to hold on to forever. Not what happened next.
1: Cliffhanger. Then we're going to cut to Esplin. So with Esplin he's been in the uh the Hork-Basher body for 2 days. um still very very impressed with it except you know obviously the horpshire mind keeps crying out and you know sort of weak resistance. He's just like it's too stupid to understand its situation. Um so basically we get a little overview of their um of their fighting force. They've got two Andalite fighters. It
0: seems like the Yurks will say outright he's too stupid like They'll say the mean thing. Andalites just think the mean thing and imply it and are like, like they feel the same way, but they're too polite to say it. So that's an interesting, like, they're the same, but the Andalites are polite. That's something we've dealt with in the last uh, six years or so. Like,
1: how dare you say that out loud?
0: Yeah, don't say the thing out loud. I mean, we all thought it, but don't Don't say it, you know. Anyway. Oh God! Here
1: we are. <laughs> oh, I oh, I hate us sometimes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we are the Andalites. Oh shit! <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, just really quickly, I did forget about this, but also dome ships haven't exactly been invented yet. It's sort of like a new spacecraft in like development right now, where they'd have like they expense like that of huge artificial. Parks, grass and trees, open sky, because Andalites hate confinement. Just want to see okay, the so so the like dome that, ship.
2: That I understand. Like, okay, yeah, sure. Okay, the so dome ships are being under construction right now in this timeline. That makes sense. Still about the morphing technology. It should have been around much longer than that. <laughs> yeah. Continue. <laughs> sure.
1: I'm um, also noting that there's uh, Andalites apparently keep grass inside of their, as their flooring inside of their ships. And the grass in the ship is snacks. obviously dead, right? Snacks <laughs> snacks for the space <laughs> trip, road trip. <laughs> um, but so that grass is dead. Just building the picture of this is what an Andalite ship looks like. They try to have open spaces, like, you know, being able to see into space. They have as a well. hologram.
0: The, the ceiling's a hologram of. The sky, but the walls are transparent. Mm-hmm. It seems like, so they can see into space. Yep,
1: and with grass on the ground. Uh, okay, so the so here's their fighting force. They have two andalite fighters, um, uh, a pair of fighters, four four altogether, um, plus the two transports, a small Ongakic craft, and three skirtna ships. Skirtna ships were slow but well armed, and the ongak ships were faster but carried no weapons. Just so we have an idea of their their ships right now. Their um, okay. Yeah. so there is another. We're introduced to another um important semi well small important for this book, uh Yerk uh Karger 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 seven nine zero one. Um, basically Esplan had known Karger for a long time, but never liked him. There had always been something too crude, too violent about him, too ambitious. L O L, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some more hypocrisy. A lot of it in this book.
1: And a cargo was one of also the few Hork Major controllers. Basically, there was talks of creating new ranks. Um, basically, if they're gonna have an army, they need a hierarchy. The Council of Thirteen remain all important, but beneath that would come something called viziers and subvisors. Hello, introduction of that. So what's gonna happen is um Carger's basically calling himself a subvisor already. And Esplan's like, well, if he can do it, why can't I do it? Um, so they basically you know, were introduced. They've, they've intercepted the Andalite message. Uh, there's Andalite I'm sorry. It's it
2: just like, it's, uh, it's a, esplin is just utilizing the secret like i'm just gonna start <laughs> visualizing and calling myself this so that everybody, yeah, i'm visualizing this, my future and this
1: will, this will believe be it I achieve think. it
2: <laughs> i am a strong
0: capable York. <laughs> um
1: and so basically the the Yerks have intercepted the signal for andolites outpost um and they're like we got to kill these bitches so basically Carger and Esplan are tasked to go and do that. They uh, go aboard a ship and it's an, it's an Andalite, one of the Andalite uh, fighter ships. Um, the GED is their pilot and they, they, they've got basically gone to like silent and like stealth mode. So they're, they're hidden and you can't really hear them. And um, so they're watching these Andalites. Uh, so in the scoop, which is where the Andalites are in, is, um, there's one Andalite at the computer which is the mom, smaller, younger ones seem to be playing a game and a larger one staring at the edge of the scoop, looking out into darkness. Oh, poor Zero. And so basically Karger's like, kill them now, kill them. And then um, Esplan is like, no, you fool. There's four. There's only, there's supposed to be four. There's only three here. Wait for the other one to arrive. Um, and before I get to the close of this chapter, I just want to also note this, that um, Esplan feels a prickling of the, on, of the skin on the back of, um, their neck it is a Horcrux fear action fear of karger which i thought was just an interesting thing for esplan to feel so um seems like esplan fears karger i'm not sure if it's outright sort of like fear or just like a fear of like just how sort of untamed he is um, yeah and it's
0: interesting too because it seems like there's a lot of um what's like We know that Visitor 3, for example, can kill all of his his underlings and nobody cares. So I think he's afraid that he's calling himself a sub-Visitor. So if I disobeyed orders and he killed me, nobody would care. Mm -hmm. He has no reason to not kill me.
1: But basically, fight on the ship, whether they shoot now or shoot later. And Karger is just driving this ship full on. Shoot them now! And that's where it ends. Shoot now!
0: And we cut to Aldrea again, and she's running, and it says, There's no warn- There was no warning, no warning except for the awful feeling in my stomach, the churning awful feeling of dread. Two, two shredder beams fired from the sky and obliterated the scoop. Aldrea can feel the heat from the blast, but she's physically unharmed. She can't stop screaming and knows that her family is dead. Dax touches her shoulder and without thinking, she whips her tail blade around and slices off a part of his own wrist blade. Dax says they have to get away because whoever did this was going to come and check to make sure all the Andalites are dead. Aldrea is understandably inconsolable. So Dak grabs her head gently and turns her main eyes away from the scene. As you said, Aldrea, this is why I was born a seer. To save my people from these yurks who have done this evil thing. But I cannot do it alone. You must help me. Will you help me understand this evil? I was sick. So sick with fear and hatred I wanted to die. Just to make the sickness stop. But Dak had shown me a way to live. A reason to endure the violence eating away at my insides. No, I won't help you understand, I said. But I will help you kill the yurks. That I will do. I will help you kill them and kill them, and kill them, and kill them all. And
2: that's where we're (laughs) going to (laughs) stop. Woo! It's been Uh, a long one. Jeez, and it just... The ride keeps on going with this book.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, we have now Aldrea is alone on the hork homeworld with Jack, and the Yerks are here, so we'll see what happens next week. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, you can um no spoilers i guess <laughs> you can <laughs> message me or animorphs memes at morgan underscore slay um or you can add us all of us together on twitter at middlemorph and you can check out my other podcast. um are the letter you the word serious pod on twitter uh we are a reddit podcast about relationship advice that's fun and we started the year off right with some horrible sexism and racism <laughs> yay Anyway, Jason, uh, where can people find you?
1: People can find me at Twitter at bottomless underscore prime. <laughs> Woo, visor okay, one. People-
0: <laughs> yeah, change your handle because you could just call yourself a visor, I guess, and then that <laughs> <laughs> means you are one. <laughs> Kate, how can people get in touch with you?
2: I am not on social media, so, you know, I guess in honor of this book, since it's like a back-in-time book, you know, talking about the history of how the Yerks started their empire and the hork uh became doomed by that, in honor of going back in time, I guess, communicate with me by fax. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's 1966, y'all. Yeah. Do they uh, have fax in No, 1966? they don't. <laughs> But, you know, if that doesn't work for you, you can email us at, at gmail.com.
0: I'm looking up the history
2: of <laughs> fax machines. So since we didn't give you animal facts, we'll give you old tech facts.
0: <laughs> Looks like they've existed since the 40s in, like, in a meaningful way. <laughs> since the 40s but 1966 is the first xerox machine so oh, yes okay. that's exactly correct that's when this book starts 1966 so excellent all right we'll see you guys next week with part two of three of the Horc bajir chronicles buckle up y'all it gets cray
2: cray <laughs> bye